Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the May 20th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's the big Friday edition of the show as we continue through the NBA Conference Finals, headed toward the NBA Finals. I'm Chris, and with me as always is John. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, you can help us out by subscribing and sharing the show with your sports-loving friends and family. And if you're sick of supporting the likes of ESPN and CBS Sports and whoever else, big corporate sports websites, for your news and information, we offer you umyasports.com. You can head there every day, all day throughout the day, get ad-free um, free of charge sports content delivered to your face. What do you think about that, John? Sounds good. All right. With that out of the way, let's jump into today's episode. We have got some things to talk about. Uh, let's. Uh, we're going to go. We're going to start in the NFL. We're going to start in one corner of the country, and we're going to go all the way to the other corner. Uh, but let's start with uh, the Chris Godwin situation down there in Tampa. I guess there's no timetable for his return to the Buccaneers. Uh, that might be troublesome for uh, our Bucks fans out there. Yeah, um, he he tore his ACL last season, so mm-hmm. he wasn't able to play during the playoffs at all, and uh, everyone was wondering when he was going to be able to come back, and now we know that it's kind of up in the air right now. So that's a big deal for uh, the Bucks as they're trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, if they can't get him back in a, at the beginning of the season, it might not be as big a deal as if they can't get him back uh, at all the rest of the season, uh, and that can really kind of skew things a bit. But ultimately, it's one of those things where – I think the Bucks did a good job in you know free agency and picking up Russell Gage and Mike Evans is already there. Fournette's yep. coming back. Yep. They got a couple new tight ends, so they got pieces in there that can come in and help if Chris Godwin is not there. However, Chris Godwin's effect and his impact on the game can you know it's going to be hard to replace by uh, anyone that you throw in there. Maybe Julio, if they're able to sign Julio Jones now in light of this news, maybe they'll try and go after another. Uh, wide receiver, someone to kind of fill in the blank there while we wait for Chris Godwin to come back because you never want to be living in that uncertainty of when is someone's going to be back and try to play your cards based off that because that usually never works. You usually want to kind of be a little more preventative than that. Uh, so I, I don't think it'd be too far off to say that I think they will probably exhaust their options of who else could we go after if uh, if the if need be. And right now, if they don't get him back, if preseason you know, rolls around and they still don't have a timetable on his return, uh, I think there's going to be some definite conversations and some definite articles coming out about uh, the possibility of one of these guys going. And we didn't, I mean, throughout the last, you know, couple of weeks and the last few months, we've been talking about Julio Jones going to Tampa and that being an option. So I don't think that'd be that far off. Um, and, you know, Russell Gage was also a teammate or on the Falcons. I don't know if they, I think they played together, but so there's some options there as well. So you want to be kind of careful with that and kind of, you're playing a little bit of an unknown game a little bit for this Tampa team. Obviously Chris Godwin and Mike Evans have been staple of this offense for years. Uh, and now they got Tom Brady, which they actually have a good quarterback to throw to them. And, uh, and that's kind of helped them. They got the Super Bowl and now they're trying to get back after getting eliminated by the Rams last season in a very painful loss. Uh, but I think it, it's Chris Godwin's effect is, you know, besides Mike Evans is probably the 
besides maybe Tom Brady and Mike Evans, but is one of the most impactful of that entire offense. So losing him is a pretty big deal. However, obviously you don't want to rush him back into playing with an ACL injury. You don't want to have the chances of him kind of re-aggravating that injury. So uh, with this type of injury, it always seems like the timetable is never known. And there's always that speculation of when could he come back. And there's always that unknown. And then usually it takes a little while for them to come back. So, Playing your cards right if you're Tampa here is going to be a big deal, especially with having a brand new head coach, which we're trying to figure out how that transition is going to go. However, I don't think it's going to be that hard of a transition because Bruce Aarons and everything I've heard and everything I've read says that they uh, that Bruce Aarons involves his guys in a lot of the matchup decisions and all that and uh, his coaches. And so I don't think it's going to be that far to kind of or that hard to kind of transition them into the next scheme with Todd Bowles at the helm. Uh, however, having a guy like Chris Godwin in your lineup, it's just, it's just a nice little luxury to have. But I do fully expect them to kind of figure out, you know, what's the, what's the next step. Chris Godwin can't come back in the first few weeks. Uh, I would, you know, wouldn't be shocked if, uh, if in the next couple of weeks, the next couple of months, we see a new a new wide receiver go, going to Tampa. All right, uh, let's uh, fly to the other the other corner of the country, Seattle. Uh, we know that Russell Wilson has moved on. That then opens up the door for somebody else to step up and take the take the role of quarterback on the team. Looks like Geno Smith has a has a slight edge, according to the Seahawks offensive coordinator. Who is the Seahawks offensive coordinator these days? Good question. Let's take a look. Do we know? I do not. Waldron. 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 Hmm. Shane Waldron. I, I have no idea I who Shane is. Waldron is. I have not heard of him. <laughs> uh, but he is saying that Geno Smith has a slight edge over Drew Locke for the starting position. And, of course, Baker Mayfield remains out there also um, as a, a quarterback without a team, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I also read today that they cut the rookie quarterback. I can't remember his exact name, but they uh, cut him. So now they're just kind of down to <clears throat> excuse me, Drew Locke and Geno Smith as their two options, which is kind of back at square one a little bit here. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think it, this whole storyline is so fascinating to me. The way Seattle has handled everything, it feels a little bit off, if you know what I mean. I just think you, you trade Russell Wilson to Denver. Uh, he, I mean, that issue could have been resolved pretty easily. Just give him an offensive line, and then he's gone, and then you draft offensive line, and then you get a running game going, and you basically do everything that Russell Wilson was asking you to do for Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Uh, and now you're trying to play your cards with those, and you kind of have to wonder, like, the future of Seattle is not going to be bright for a while. This team's going to have a lot of rebuilding to do. This team's going to have a lot of changes over the next few seasons. Pete Carroll uh, is going to have a lot expected of him, but he's not going to be able to deliver on pretty much any of those expectations because I don't trust Geno Smith and to lead this offense at all. Uh, we saw him a little bit last season when Russell Wilson was injured, and he really couldn't get much going, and he was not the the key piece that you desire to have. And I think Seattle did, should have seen that uh, when they saw him play a couple of games last season and how he struggled, and he wasn't really doing everything he was supposed to do except in, like, one game where everyone was like, wow, that was a really good game for Geno Smith, but everything else was kind of up and down. And then you put Drew Locke in there, and you're saying to yourself, okay, now you have this kid who I think with proper coaching and proper training can definitely be good. I see, we, we see some uh, situations where we, we, we see him shine in a way that kind of mimics a little bit of these quarterbacks of nowadays that he can run the football and he can also pass the football. He just He's super he's a super raw talent right now. He hasn't had great coaching to the point where he's struggling with keeping the starting job. But I also think there's some upside to this kid that if he, they had the proper coaching staff could have success. 
The problem is he's not going to a team that you can say to yourself, oh, yeah, I completely trust, you know, Seattle's, uh, I mean, uh, Seattle's coaching, coaching staff to, you know, make this kid a true, you know, number one quarterback. And we also don't know how long these guys are going to be staying. I mean, last season, it was last season. I think it was at the end of the last season. We saw the, all a bunch of articles of coaches just leaving, and new ones coming in, and yeah. leaving, and coming in. And so this is completely different. It was just a clean of house, besides Pete Carroll and the GM. Everyone's kind of felt like they were leaving, and then you put Drew Locke in this situation, and you say, "Okay, now fight for this position." And I and I just think that they're kind of setting themselves up for failure. It's going to be a very you know run heavy offense, uh, and as fantasy drafts get closer, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But I mean, there's some fantasy things in there as well as fact in the fact that all three of those running backs, Chris Carson, uh, Ken Walker. Uh, and oh, what's the last? Rashard Penny, I believe, is the other guy. Those three running backs, especially Kenneth Walker, should be at the top of the like second, early second round, late third round picks because I think he's going to get a lot of the load and a lot of the carries late in the season because they're going to be relying so much on the run game. And Chris Carson is still struggling with a neck injury. We don't know when he's going to be coming back. So these other running backs have to pick up the load. And I don't trust Geno Smith or Drew Locke to be able to carry any sort of load. They invested in a huge offensive line, and they're going to be expecting a lot of this offensive line. So the offensive line is going to be forced to produce if they want to keep their job, which is then going to make the running back situation much better. But that's also going to bring down the, the draft of stock of you know DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and uh, some of these other guys. So the running game should be especially in Seattle with how bad that they are. I think the run game is going to be one of those, one of those bright points because under under Pete Carroll, Seattle's always had a decent run game and that's something they've always stressed and tried to get going. Uh, you had Marshawn Lynch and now you kind of have Chris Carson, which, you know, that's kind of a sad drop off there, but just the natural course of history a little bit yeah. there uh, or uh, in football. Uh, so I think it's one of those things where they're just trying to get back to that, that kind of state. And they, he's Pico's going to be careful because I don't think if he, if this doesn't work out and this last experience doesn't work out, I kind of feel like his job's in a little bit in jeopardy and they're going to have to move on pretty soon here because now's the perfect time to, you know, if it's not working out, yeah, this is the natural, everything. It's the natural time to do like it. It's ch- just without Paul Allen there, um, it's hard to imagine, you know, Pete is so well respected for what he's done over time. And even though it looks like his time has run its course, they're not going to push him out. I don't think I'll push to... him out, but I just think he should want to retire at this yeah. point. Cause I yeah. don't think you should want It's a major effort to try to rebuild. Right. You're, you're having to do like, you're at square one right now. Like this is the early, early stage. It's going to be at least three or four years or two or three or four, maybe four years to the point where they're actually at the point where they're playoff Super Bowl contending team finally. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to want to sit around and wait for that. <laughs> I just, yeah. I think he's probably going to get things started. And then the next coach is going to have to figure out a way to yeah. pick things up and get things on the right track. But like I said, I, think there's you know the fantasy bright point in this whole thing but ultimately i just think it's fascinating to cover this story and i'll keep covering it on mia sports as uh dot com if you guys want to check that out yeah just kind of see uh, as the story progresses because when the start of the football season happens and when that first kickoff happens if geno smith is the starting quarterback yeah it's not i think we're going in you know we had a, a, a decade run where the seahawks were um top of the class and i i think they're going to get sent to the the bottom of the the Ross the role there in the NFC uh, West and it's going to be a a rough go as a Seahawks fan <laughs> yes uh, for those Seahawks fans out there for some period of time until all that gets sorted out um, so we'll see what happens um, let's stay in the NFL for just a minute before jumping over to uh, talk a little NBA action the 
Patriots players, apparently something leaked out or slipped out or is uh, anonymously credited. And, and some of those players um, uh, on the Patriots team are not happy with where the New England offense is headed in the post-Tom Brady era. Yeah, I think it's fascinating that there's stuff coming out. I mean, it seems like for a while this this Patriots team, like you didn't really hear anything bad about them. I mean, I, and there's a couple different scandals, like different things that you know Tom Brady deflation get all that stuff. But overall, as a team, it seemed like everything was like good. It seemed like they were in a good place, and then Tom Brady leaves, and then things start to break down for him. And then now you get in a situation where you have a bunch of offensive coordinators, and they're trying to find out like what their identity is offensively, and the players. They don't like that very much, and for good reason. They want an actual offensive coordinator to lead them and help them, and you know, you know, shape them into the offense that they're supposed to be, and so they can, you know, build a career around football. And and you don't have that particular piece, and you're trying to throw a bunch of things together again to a situation where, if I was a player, I certainly wouldn't be happy about that sort of mindset, that sort of strategy, because I feel like in the NFL, it's important. I mean, it's just the way it's always been. There's an offense de- offense and defense coordinator, and then there's a head coach. That's just how it works, and then there's assistance for each one. Josh McDaniel leaves, and then all of a sudden, it snaps and folds. So I feel like that might be an issue of you know leadership inside of the Patriots organization. Is there is that bone gone because Tom Brady left? Is that, is that something that's going to cause some issues for a little while until they can figure out who their new true offense coordinator is? And is that going to happen as the season goes along? Are they running a little bit of a competition for the head coaches now or for the, uh, for the, you know, for that, office coordinator job is that going to be like something where each guy kind of does his piece and then sees what happened who gets to the top and all that stuff I mean that's a possibility but with how young your your especially your quarterback core is and then you got your wide receiver core where you're trying to build and you're trying to get things to work and you're investing draft choices into young guys that you're supposed to plug and play and you're trying to say to yourself okay but we're not gonna have a true guy that's gonna you know build this and shape this and form it and what it's supposed to be that's a scary thought as a player that's a scary thought as a fan that's probably a scary thought as an owner because you want that particular direction that you're going and right now Bill Belichick is gonna have to be even more on top of it and kind of creating things if that's the way it's gonna be because he's the head coach so he's the next guy in line that's on top of everything that's going to have to kind of be in between the general manager, but obviously they're not going to just fire Bill Belichick and they're going to, they're going to figure this all out. But I just think it's an interesting situation because I, I've personally never heard of a situation where they don't have a true offensive coordinator and they have multiple guys in there trying to make a, make a final decision and make a playbook. And the, the, uh, the players aren't unhappy at the head coach or the, the ownership. They're unhappy with the fact that there's not, the way that or they're unhappy with the way the offense is being run that's not something that you hear very often or very frequently i don't think i've ever heard of that so i think it's just a a unique situation that the the patriots find themselves and i think this kind of started when tom brady left when tom brady left the patriots were trying to find their kind of true identity again after tom brady was gone and i think there's all these drafted draft or all these quarterbacks getting drafted or picked and picked up and all that stuff. It's just trying to find that next Tom Brady. And that's going to be hard to do. However, I think Mac Jones, they found a, a good bat or a good football player. They're just going to have to get to the point where they're kind of helping him move along. And in order to do that, they need an offensive coordinator uh, to help him get to the next step because he's, he's going to get to the point where he's going to hit a ceiling and then he's going to, his, his play is going to decline. How high that ceiling is, is kind of remain to be seen. Um, it got him all the way to the playoff, but in the playoff game, that was kind of a interesting situation where he struggled to get anything going and really struggled against the Buffalo Bills team, and they kind of sent them packing pretty early in that, in that game. So ultimately, it's one of those things where 
they can't let one guy's departure as a coach be able to do that much damage. And obviously, it's probably a little bit of a ripple effect. Tom Brady leaves, then Josh McDaniel leaves, and then now they're trying to you know patch it all back together. But I feel like it feels a little bit more like they're trying to you know fix the plane while it's trying to take off, as opposed to just you know delaying takeoff for a little while, you know fixing it up, and then you know letting it take off when it's in perfect position. And that's kind of what it feels like. Uh, for Patriot fans. So I think it's just going to be an interesting situation as more stuff leaks out. I think that's also interesting how things are leaking out and getting out about players' unhappiness about things. Uh, I feel like that's more of a recent development that you kind of hear about all that stuff about the Patriots players being unhappy about certain things. So I think it's going to be an interesting situation. We'll see how the Patriots clean it up and see what they what they say about it. And we'll also see not only what they say about it, but what the outcome and the result is of what they're doing on the football field come preseason and regular season uh, play because that's really what matters is what type of results are you putting on the football field because that's what makes or breaks a football program so i'm excited to see you know the patriots what happens with them what happens with the seattle seahawks i mean all this is just fascinating because there's tons of situations where teams are trying to fix themselves up but the last thing i'll say about this is the patriots are an afc team so you know fix it up fast because afc is building strength and you definitely don't want to be at the back portion of that, you want to be at the front. So yeah, move it's things pretty, along. Pretty interesting compared to last year when we were just talking NFC, a lot of NFC and the exactly, yeah. AFC was suffering and now we get a, a change of fortune. So it'll be interesting to see as we continue uh, through the off season and, and our, our steaming toward, uh, toward uh, the midsummer training camps. Um, we've got some time, but um, all right. So uh, the NBA conference finals are underway. Uh, there was a game uh, one for the, Dallas Mavericks and the Golden State Warriors on, uh, I think that was was Wednesday Wednesday night. It was a bit of a lopsided affair with the Warriors dominating. Uh, Game two kicks off tonight at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time, I believe it is. Uh, What do you think about this matchup, and where is this thing going uh, with that big victory of Golden State over the Mavs on Wednesday? Yeah, the Golden State Warriors are lethal if they can get that first game on you. If they can get that first game, they hardly they ever did. lose. Which they did. Which they got. So, And ultimately, I think both the Celtics Heat series and the Warriors Mavericks series, I feel like the Celtics and the Warriors just cannot lose these series. They just have the better team out of these two series. I mean, obviously... I think the Warriors and the Mavericks are going to be a little bit harder fought basketball game or series because I think this Mavericks team is contrary to public belief. I think it's a talented basketball team. I think they've got a lot of great players. The problem is they cannot wait for everything to click. It has to immediately click against this Warriors team. It can't take two, three games and then they're going to crawl back and beat the, you know, the Suns like they did. They got to make sure it's now because if they wait too long, this Warriors team is going to already have too much of a commanding lead. And even if you get a game or two, they're just going to finish you off because they're that talented and they got all these really great players. I mean, the Warriors are a stacked basketball team and they've got veteran guys and they've got younger guys and they're working together in great harmony. And I thought this from, you know, from last season when the Lakers eliminated, I thought this team, you know, should be in the finals. They're, they're that talented and they're young, but they're, you know, they're really good. And I think that has a lot to do with Curry and Clay Thompson and uh, Draymond Green, but they also have guys like Wiggins and Poole who are just doing tremendous job on the basketball court and are just dominating, dominating, dominating. And I think 
this Mavericks team stands very little chance because we just seen them go up and then they go back down and they go up and it's just this random wave of when do the three-pointers splash down? Are they going to be this game? No, okay, let's go to the next game. No, okay, and then this one, yes, okay, there we go. And then it's like, okay, no, not that one. And then they end up either losing or winning the series. It's just kind of off and on, off and on, off and on. And you got to have a big game from uh, Luka Doncic. He has to have a huge game. I mean, if he has a huge game... Everyone kind of follows suit and has a bigger game. If he has a bad game, then, you know, things don't work out too well. And that's kind of what we had saw in the last game where everything kind of just blew up. However, do they win a game? Do they win two games? I don't know because it just depends on tonight. I think tonight's going to be one of those games where it turns things around. In this in the Celtics-Heats series, that was easy for me to predict. I just could see that kind of clearly. This series, I think it's just... It just depends. I want to. I know the Warriors are going to win the series and they're going to move on. The problem is, you know, how they're going to win it, when they're going to win it, and how long it's going to take for them to take firm control. And I think this game is a pivot game because if the Mavericks can't generate good offense and they can't, you know, stop this uh, Warriors team from just having fun. It looks like when the Warriors are beating teams and they're beating them handily, it looks like they're just, you know, doing shooting practice. It just, it just seems like, okay, this one's going to go down. That one's going to go down. No problem with that. So ultimately they're going to have to be able to stop this Warriors team. So if they cannot stop this team and it's another blowout for this Warriors team, I see little to no reason why the Warriors will lose a series or even lose a game. But if they can make it a close one and even an interesting battle worth tuning into, then maybe we can see them pull off, you know, a, a, a trap game when when everyone thinks it's going up and yeah. they, you know they pull off that last second victory. But ultimately, this I just feel like there's no way that the, either the Celtics or the Warriors lose, which makes it even more fun to watch the final because if both teams came off commanding victories, both these teams are going to feel like that no one can beat them. We're the best. Blah 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 blah. And then those that 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 energy collides, and then you get into a situation where. Both teams are clawing for victory, and it's going to be kind of a well-fought, you know, final. So yep. I can't wait for that. But right now, we got to go through this. So we'll see. We'll be excited for tonight's game, and we'll see what happens. But tonight's going to be very pivotal. If the Celtics series, which I think is going to be a blowout, and uh, and then if the uh, if the Mavericks lose, then then we get two blowout series, and that's not much fun. So let's hope the Mavericks pull off something. All right. Okay. Why do the Warriors, Celtics, and T Wolves have the biggest targets on their backs? Yeah, I think, I think the uh, I think these three teams are the teams that are going to be consistently coming back to the playoffs as long as they stay intact the way they are right now. Uh, even if they build extra uh, and they get extra guys to come on, that's great. But these three teams, I feel like are the teams that everyone's looking at after this playoff and saying to ourselves, this these three teams are the most talented teams in the NBA. They they got the best pl- uh, players, they got the best chemistry, and I mean in the Timberwolves case, they're one of the youngest, but they look one like one of the best teams ever. And I think if they get an extra opportunity to come back and play in the NBA uh, playoffs again, and they fight, and they and I believe they're gonna have all that that experience from this season is going to be invaluable for going forward. I don't see I mean, you look around the NBA and you look around the other teams that were in the playoffs. Maybe the Pelicans can squeak into that list as a number four or whatever. Depends on if Zion Williams can, Williamson can stay healthy or not. Uh, I think the Grizzlies are also, I think that would probably be number four. If you added a fourth one, it would definitely be the Grizzlies. But these teams are just so talented. And this playoff is going to uh, change and mold the way we see the NBA because 
a lot of these teams are talented and a lot of these teams have great players on them, but it's not just about having the best player on your team. It's about how do these players, you know, go together? How do they all work together in harmony to beat and win basketball games, even when it seems like they're out of it or down or they can't come back? I mean, it's just one of those things where the, this, any of these three teams, you look down and you say to yourself, I mean, Clay Thompson was out for for a while and then there and then he comes back and he's the perfect boost this team needs to you know propel him forward or you know Marcus Martin Al Horford are out for a game and the Celtics get a bad quarter they almost get completely blown out but they're kind of staying in and then they come back and boom they just kind of destroy this team so it's that's what makes a team truly great is if a player can go down and still be able to be in the fight and still be in an opportunity to win a basketball game and that's something the Grizzlies need to work on they need to find that true second that can play when John Morant is out or when he is injured because he's not going to be guaranteed 100% healthy every single game of every single year so they're going to work on that as well but those three teams in this playoff alone, I think it changed the perception of the, the, the Bucks. I think it changed the perspective of these three teams as, you know, really talented. I think it changed the perspective of, you know, the Miami Heat. I think it's I, the 76ers perspective changed. The Nets perspective changed. All these teams have been kind of shaken now because of the way that things have happened in this series. And I think this series is going to be one of those that you point back to in history and you say to yourself, this is one of those, one of these things that this is what happens when teams, you know, Break, you know, break through and get to the next level, and they put themselves in a category that you can only put yourself at through great gameplay and through hard adversity. And you get there, and you say to yourself, "Okay, we made it." So, ultimately, I think we've been talking about this for quite some time now. Is I think a lot of teams are now going to be looked at in different light, but I think these three teams are going to be looked at in a more positive light. And every team's going to want to beat them. And every team's going to want some of their players. And every team's going to want them. But as long as they stay intact and as long as these players stay together, I see little to no reason why all these teams can't win at least a couple more championships in the next couple of years because they're that talented. And I expect a lot of these teams to be back to where we are right now because they're that good. Okay. Who are your top five NBA players today, May 20th? Uh, top five, I think, I think, I think Curry would have to be on that list. I think he's just one of those players that can, he was, he was absolutely dominate. I mean, it just, it just, he just lights up everyone. It doesn't matter who he's playing. He's just on fire each and every time. I think, uh, Jason Tatum would have to be on that list. I think he's one of those players that people tune in to watch. I think he's that good. Uh, I think a teammate of Stephen Curry, uh, I think it's probably, uh, I think Jordan Poole, which might be surprising to some people, but I think his defensive play paired with his offense and three-point shooting ability have come on full strength, especially in this in this series and in in general over the last few seasons. I think he kind of came into his own a little bit. I think John Morant is on that list. I think he's kind of fall. I think these guys are all interchangeable, by the way, so you kind of can put them wherever you want to, those, those four. But then if you look at it, I think there's a lot of people that you could put on this list. It's hard to pick just the five. But, I mean, you, you think Devin Booker, you think Chris Paul, you think Luka Doncic, you think, uh, you think Marcus Smart, you think um, – Gosh, hold on. Carl Anthony Towns, or you think Anthony Edwards, or you think uh, CJ McCollum, or you think Dame Time. You think all these guys, or LeBron James. You think all these guys. But ultimately, 
you look at most of these guys, and and they're really good and they're really talented. And this is the top one hundred. All those guys would go on, on on this spectrum, but this is the top five. And I think if you're in the top five, you're either getting your team to the playoffs, you're either carrying your team, or you're making the biggest impact on that team, or all three. Uh, and that's why I picked most of these guys. But I mean, I think it's I think it's uh, Anthony Edwards would have to be on that list because he's a rising star that can absolutely dominate and absolutely slay in the next couple of years. That's one of the reasons why I put the Timberwolves so high on that list of teams with the target on their back. But I think he's probably really high on that list. So I, th- I think I put him in that, you know, in that top five there, but I think the John Morant, Tatum and Curry are the top three, but all those other guys are kind of just interchangeable as you'd like, because, but those three guys, I think those are the heartbeat uh, of their squad. So those would be my fi- uh, five, just kind of off the top of my head, but I mean, most most people would probably say you, you skipped on some guys or you, you, you should have put these guys. But personally, for me, that's my list. All right. Well, if you disagree, head on over to Twitter. Let us know about it. How about that? Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Debate. Sweet. Awesome. So it is Friday. That means it is trivia question day. Yes. I've been pretty consistently nailing it. Yes, you have. So let's see if that streak can continue. You got a question for me? I do. All right, let's so, hear it. The Dallas Mavericks are the fourth seed. Oh boy, another NBA. Okay. Yeah. It's always NBA cuz uh-huh. NBA finals. Okay. Almost. So, there's only been four uh four four seeds that have made it to the finals. So, who is the most recent to do it? The options are the Boston Celtics or the Dallas Mavericks. I get two options. I got a 50-50? Yeah. 50-50. And they have to get to the finals? They have to get to the finals. Boston Celtics or the Dallas Mavericks? It's kind of funny. They're in this year. The playoffs that's, right the, that's the game from tonight. Yeah. So, um, hmm. Um, and I don't know when this occurred. This was the last no, time. the most recent time. Ooh. And when, who was it? Hmm. Thinking. Hold on. I feel like if I gave you the date, you would know it too easily. And they have to get to the playoffs. Have to get to the no, they have to get to the finals. The finals. Ooh. Oh, but we don't know when this. This could have been whenever. It could have been whenever. You never know. It was the most recent time. Okay, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Warriors. Warriors. Sorry, Celtics. <laughs> I got Warriors on the brain. <laughs> yes, that is correct. They did that in 2010. It was the last time that the, the four seed made it to the finals. So that does not happen all that often. Where the <laughs> when was it again? 2010. 2010. Okay. There was a third option, but I decided not to give it to you because. It was the Seattle Supersonics. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would never guess them. They're, they haven't been around for a while, so. Yeah. I didn't think that would be too helpful. Well, hopefully they'll come back again. That'd hey, be good to see. Possibility. Yeah, that'd be good to see. Awesome. So my streak continues. Yes, it does. I need to fantastic. Up, up, my, uh, up my strength of my trivia questions. Yeah, fantastic. No, you don't. Yeah, keep, you, it, yeah. keep it going. These are good questions. I just... You're so smart. I just, uh, there's good guesses, I guess. I don't know. All right, listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. Please, again, please subscribe. Please share. All that stuff's super helpful to us. If you enjoy the show, that'd be great. Um, and we will catch you on uh, on Monday. Have a also, great weekend. Oh, look at the uh, look at Twitter tomorrow ah. because there is a special video being dropped. Ah. So be refreshing that page. All right, video, the video content. Uh, is coming. The first ever. All right. Good deal. Awesome. Thanks, listeners. Appreciate you. Check you on Monday. Have a great weekend. See ya in Godless.